Are you feeling stuck? Are you searching for purpose and a more fulfilling life? Are you looking for inspiration and encouragement? Then this is the place for you. I'm Brooke Moore. I'm Gretchen Jackson. I'm Kelly Strother. I'm Tharwit Lovett. We are Shifter. In this podcast, we will address all things mindset. You will hear real stories from real women who have faced their fears, crushed their limiting beliefs, and have turned their mess into their message by shifting their mindsets and leveling up in business and life. Hi, and welcome to the Shift Her podcast. I'm excited today to have Brandi Wilson Edwards with me. She is an attorney, motivational speaker, and the founder of the Self Love Challenge. She empowers the legal community by speaking on happiness and stress management. She's also certified to teach mindfulness and yoga, and she will inspire you to become a zealous advocate for yourself so that you can create a life you love. She is a structured free spirit, I love that, and embraces self-love and sobriety as a lifestyle. Welcome, Brandy. I'm so excited to have you here um, and also to uh, share a profession with you that uh, needs more people who are following wellness, who are teaching wellness, and I'm really excited to have you today. If there's anything else you want to add, go ahead and feel free about yourself that I didn't share. Um, but otherwise, kind of kicking it off, I uh, wanted to ask you specifically, what was a pivotal breakthrough? We start all of our podcasts with what was a pivotal breakthrough that kind of helped you shift your mindset? Because here at Shifter, we're all about um, how women are growing and becoming empowered and acting on that um, by taking inspired action like you have done. Well, thank you so much for having me. I am excited to have this conversation with you today. And I love meeting like-minded, ambitious women like yourself. So for me, a pivotal moment in my life, I found a book that changed my life. It is called Light is the New Black by Rebecca Campbell. It found me at the perfect time I needed it in my life. I was really burned out in my legal career and I was questioning, should I stay at my firm? Should I go to another firm? Should I do something outside of the legal industry? And just really this uh, personal self-discovery journey that I was on. And when I started reading this book, I was resonating with everything that the author was sharing. And it was all about following what your soul is calling you to do, listening to your intuition. And I kept having these ideas that I wanted to host a workshop. For a few years prior to reading this book, I was posting a lot of just inspirational, motivational stuff on social media. And through positive reinforcement by receiving messages from people saying that they liked what I was sharing, they felt like they were relating to me. I was sharing more of that. So I'd been contemplating creating a workshop because I was on my own self-love journey and was posting a lot of inspirational stuff around that because I treat self-love as a lifestyle. I was always really hard on myself and reached a place after practicing yoga for many years where I could just accept my body and myself in the moment without conditions. Even though I had goals and I was working on myself in a variety of different ways, So my tagline with the self-love challenge is love yourself while you work on yourself. So I was doing all of this work online, helping myself, helping other people and read her book and then went to look online and saw that she had a retreat that she was hosting in New York. And she 
does not live in the U.S. And I was out of vacation days at work and it, it didn't make sense for me to go because it was in New York. I'd be going by myself. I'd always wanted to go to New York, but I was like, Brandy, this is crazy. You don't have any vacation days. So then I'd be losing money while spending a lot of money and uh, traveling to New York by myself. But after reading that book, I was like, my intuition is telling me I need to be there. And I just went. I booked the flight and that retreat changed my life. It was the first time I meditated. We did a guided visualization and I got this creative download of a workshop that I wanted to host when I got back to Dallas, Texas. So I did that and then kept working on myself basically for another year, reading a lot of books, going to conferences, investing in myself putting myself in rooms with like-minded people. And then I went to her retreat a year later. And at that point I realized I wanted to do speaking. I wanted to be on stages to empower people. And while it started speaking to a lot of women and then to some schools, I'm now speaking to the legal community about mindfulness and stress management. And so it's really been this interesting journey, but that pivotal moment was when I read that book and it really had me explore what my purpose in life was in taking inspired, courageous action to really follow what my soul was calling me to do. I love that. And uh, you and I were chatting before this, Light is the New Black is one of our foundational books too um, at Shifter. And uh, just, it's so powerful. And I love that that's kind of the first book that came to you because it's, it's a lot. It's not a light fluff book. Um, it's a really, really good book. And so, uh, you know, like you, I was kind of on this journey as well of, you know, self-love, self-discovery. I was trying to get out of a bad situation, um, really trying to find my way in a profession. You know, our profession is hard. The legal world is, is hard. It's, uh, there's a lot of supposed tos. It's very harsh. It's not necessarily designed um, with much feminine energy. And so it is easy to burn out. A lot of people burn out. Uh, we have such high rates of uh, depression and alcoholism, substance abuse, uh, suicide. There, there are a lot of uh, people that just aren't able to find a way out. So I love, you know, that when you went there, which is kind of, it, it was wonderful when I met you and, and we had our Zoom coffee because I thought we are the same person. All these things have happened to me. And um, I'm sure there are plenty of other people like us out there. Um, but, you know, for you to go through that and then use that to take that inspired action and to show vulnerability because we're out there living our supposed to's and we're out there uh, just kind of pretending maybe things are a certain way or forcing, you know, practicing law because I went to law school and I don't want to not use my degree. And, you know, so I, this is the only way. And, and when you do that, everybody else is watching. And, and like you said, you had a lot of people liking the vulnerability and the things that you were sharing. And so it's very important, I think, to take that inspired action. I love that you said, you know, that, that you took that inspired action because it can be kind of scary, but it's also very empowering to other people because once you share that vulnerability, you're opening other people up to be vulnerable with you. And uh, I love connecting with people like you. And, and I think, you know, the more it's kind of becoming a little bit more accepted in the legal profession, especially um, and other professions, but we're a little behind uh, the whole well-being and wellness and holistic practicing. And so, you know, the more of us that are sharing our story, the more relatable it can be and the more people that we can help. Um, and part of that, too, is uh, 
you know, I like how you kind of said, you didn't say it exactly this way, but it was kind of being in the moment. So a lot of us live in a, you know, when I get to this, you know, your, your whole um, tagline about how you're still working on yourself while, you know, you're in that moment. And I think a lot of people get stuck in the external things. Well, when I have this, when I do this, when I reach this level, and so you're always looking forward, but you're not present in the moment and you're not able to fully enjoy life and fully, um, you know, take care of yourself. So I love that so much. It's giving, you're giving people permission to, you know, still, I mean, you're not there. That's how I am. I'm, I'm not there. I'm still working on myself. Um, but here are some lessons that I've learned. So you're giving people permission to just be where they are while they're working on even being better. And so I think that's so awesome. Um, and it's also awesome. You also said that it was really important to invest in yourself and it can be scary, especially when, like you said, you didn't have time, you know, and you're sinking all this money and especially in our profession, we're like, okay, what would be getting paid by the hour? <laughs> you know, it's just like in your mind, yeah, how much am I not making or, you know, what could I be making if I was sitting at the office and how much am I losing? Uh, but you gain so much by investing in yourself. And uh, for me, I always like to think of, you know, putting that money out is kind of taking that step of faith uh, in the universe that if I put this money out, that money's going to come back to me, especially when I'm doing things to invest in myself. So I never see that as a waste, but I'm very interested. I'm also very jealous that you were able to go to this conference with her because she's one of my favorite authors as well. Uh, but I'm very curious you said it was about a year apart when you went to the two conferences. So you read the book, you went to the conference relatively shortly thereafter, I suppose. And then uh, you continued to work on yourself and then went back a year later. Uh, what differences did you see in yourself or how did you perceive things between the two different conferences? Because I'm assuming there was a great deal of growth that had taken place in between those. How did you experience those differently? That is such a great question. And before I went to her retreat, I was just in this place where I was unhappy and I was desiring change. And I didn't know what those changes were, but I just knew that I wanted some change. And so I was seeking clarity around that. And when I went to her retreat for the first time, it was just this space where I was stepping out of my comfort zone. I didn't know what to expect, but I was showing up. I was being courageous and just open to learning and receiving and meditated for the first time there, did a lot of journaling, a lot of self-inquiry work. She had us do some exercises where we would pair up with a partner and just ask each other the same question over and over and over. And it really would get to the root of what our response was to that initial question. And so I found that very valuable. And when I left, I just had this sense of happiness where I didn't know what was going to happen next, but I felt like I was on the right path as long as I kept taking courageous inspired action. And throughout that year in between both retreats did a lot of work, read a lot of books, went to a lot of events, met with a lot of people, um, 
sought a lot of clarity in my life on what changes I did need to make and why. And so when I went back to the retreat the second time, I felt like an entirely different person. Um, Shortly after the first retreat, I stopped drinking because I had a short-term goal of competing in a fitness competition. So I made a decision to stop drinking for six months. Well, I went to her retreat and I had been contemplating maybe not drinking. I was like, you know, my life has gotten so much better. Uh, this isn't something I ever thought I would do, but I was elevating my life personally and professionally in so many different ways. And I had connected with the woman there at the retreat the first time, and she came back the second time with me. And she reminded me of my grandmother, which was interesting about the retreat. So many different women at different ages. And I had a conversation with her, and she was like, I think you know what the answer is. And I was like, you're right. I, I think I do want to make this commitment to myself and when I went to the retreat the second time it was really interesting because while there were women that came back there were also a lot of new women and I saw them I was like that was me a year ago not knowing what to expect in this live transformation that was about to happen for everyone and when I left the retreat the second time I made three commitments to myself and I said I was going to use my voice share my stories and follow my happiness. And I knew I wanted to be a speaker. And within months after leaving that retreat, I got my first keynote, then my first podcast and all of these first experiences. And really the rest is history after that. But when I left the retreat that second time, I went to my first mindfulness class. And that's when I really got that clarity. And I made that commitment I'm just going to stop drinking. I'm, I'm just going to commit to this. And so that was over three years ago now. Yeah. And really like just sharing that with people to inspire them of what is pop to inspire them with what is possible. You know, it's never too late to start or to start over in any aspect of your life, personally or professionally. And when we desire that change and seek clarity around it, that's when you can really practice courage and build your confidence and and then celebrate yourself along the way while you love yourself, while you work on yourself. So it's really a process. It's never ending journey. I really like that um, about the possibility because uh, for me, it was a kind of a weight loss journey because I I was having uh, health issues. It was stroke level blood pressure and it was a combination of stress and just poor dieting and and didn't exercise and and just life um but for me it was just like i I tried this little thing and i stuck with it and i was just very committed to it um and it happened quickly and then i was able to sustain and i think you know once you put yourself out there like you said earlier and you step out of your comfort zone and then you make that commitment i mean anybody can do this you know they just have to know, be very clear. You've said clarity several times. And I think that's super important too, because if you're not clear on what it is that you want or what you want to do, it's going to be sending signals out into the universe. It's going to be very difficult to um, get to that goal or whatever it is you want to achieve. But I think it's very important because you don't need somebody else externally to validate you. You can make a decision to do something and stick to it. And then when that happens, I found personally I think, well, I can do anything. Like I did that, I stuck to it. And this is what happened. If I, you know, if I decide I want to do this, I have the tools and the ability to stick to whatever that is. Um, So I think that's awesome. Also, I really like that you pointed out the diversity of the retreat, because one thing uh, that kind of scares people when we're talking to them about our shifter program is, you know, you're 
usually put with strangers. You may know a few people or have some loose connections, but most people are paired with strangers. And they're strangers that maybe aren't like them at all. They're very diverse um, age, race, interest, career, you know, all sorts of things, but it provides so much perspective and so adds so much value to your life um, whenever you are paired with those people. And so uh, especially strangers, I love that you just went to this conference and, and met people. And then, um, you know, these strangers had such a profound impact on your life and, and people don't necessarily realize the impact that they can have because they're comfortable with people that maybe are the same socioeconomic status, the same. Um, I know in the legal world, there are all these legal masterminds and I knew I didn't want to do that because I just don't want to be sitting around. It's valuable. I find value in it, but I just didn't want to be sitting around only talking to lawyers. I wanted to talk to people who would be my clients and just say, Hey, can I workshop this? What would you pay for this? You know? And so, um, that's in business, but even in life, it was just so nice to have the different perspectives for people who didn't own a business or were older than me, whatever. Um, so I think that's super powerful. And another thing I really liked that you talked about um, was the exercise that you did where you kept asking, you know, kept asking questions. So um, I've spoken on, you know, I speak on mindset as well in the legal world, and I've spoken on thought modeling and uh, other kind of mental models. And one thing recently I spoke about uh, when I was talking about thought modeling is I wanted to offer people more of a diversity of, uh, you know, mental models because people do different things. Like you were talking about journaling and um, Kelly, one of my shifter partners is big into journaling. It's hard for me because I write so much because I do contract law. So I just, I don't like to write as much in my free time um, in, as far as journaling. And uh, I prefer to sketch. So that's when I can like, go blank in my mind. So people kind of absorb things differently. So one of the things that, one of the kind of mental models that I also suggested was doing the five whys, which you probably are familiar with that. And that's um, used in the corporate world. I think it was invented maybe in the corporate world um, to train people to kind of understand more what they're doing and why they're doing it. But uh, it, it really is kind of a similar concept. It's, you know, here's how you're feeling. Why are you feeling that way? And then blah, blah, blah. Well, um, you know, you say this, but why do you say that? You just keep asking why five times and then it kind of trickles down to probably something that has nothing to do with why you think you're upset or why you're mad or why you're doing something a certain way. And so it really helps you uncover why you're doing things. So that way you can see, do I need to pivot? Do I need to, you know, how am I feeling? And it puts you more in touch with those feelings and makes you become more intentional like you are. So um, lots of really, really good stuff in there. Um, and, you know, as far as um, drinking, like I told you, or like I told you, you already know, but in our profession, it is a problem. Um, and a lot of times you'll go to conferences, you go to conferences too, and there's just like limitless drinks. <laughs> so, um, and then we have like our meetings in the morning uh, for people. So it's just uh, contradictory, but uh, I know that was kind of um, a time that you turned your mess into your message. And we always like to kind of ask people to elaborate on that um, and how, if you don't mind, if you could go a little bit deeper on how making that, um, that shift, that change, how you were able to turn, you know, your mess into your message. Absolutely. So 
it started with the short-term goal to train for a fitness competition, which actually I never ended up doing. And I think that's so important for people listening. Your goals can change and give yourself permission because, but for the, the competition goal, it wouldn't have made me make my secondary goal of not drinking. And really that whole experience, because I believe everything happens for a reason, was so that I would experience what it was like not to drink for six months. Because really, thinking about it, obviously I was burned out in my legal career. So I was living for the weekend and drinking was a way to de-stress and relax, but also to have fun. And when I stopped drinking, I realized how much alcohol was part of everyone's life. You know, if you're happy, let's go to happy hour and celebrate. If you got a promotion, if you're having a bad day, you're going through a breakup, uh, whatever it is, a baby shower, bridal shower, everything had alcohol at it. And I was the one who wasn't drinking, which seemed very odd to people like, why aren't you drinking? And I, from experience, know what it was like to be around other people who weren't drinking and kind of thought, well, that is weird. Why aren't they drinking? Because then it makes you become self-aware when you're drinking around them. And so it forces people to question things, which we don't like. And just really throughout that experience, I I realized all of these first. So for example, the first weekend that I had committed to not drinking, it was a friend's birthday party. And I realized getting ready, I would have normally been having a drink prior, you know, putting my makeup on, getting ready. And I didn't know a lot of the women except the birthday girl. And when I was sitting at the table, I had to sit with that discomfort of not knowing everyone and not having a conversation. Whereas if I was drinking, I would have been more relaxed, maybe a little unaware of that discomfort. So it was very interesting having to sit through that and then go through different challenges where maybe I was upset and would normally drink, but having to process my feelings in a different way and make more empowering choices, being more productive rather than destructive. And it really just became this epic self-discovery journey. And I realized I was gaining more time in my life. I mean, we all have 24 hours in a day, but when you're hung over all day Sunday because you had a lot of fun on Saturday and then you choose to have Sunday fun day to get rid of the hangover, then you go to work on Monday, you know, it's just like this cycle. And I was always really into health and fitness. And I realized at the beginning of the week, I was trying to undo what I had done from the weekend and would finally start feeling better around Thursday. But then Friday, it was like time to go have fun again and really just gain more time. And I was like, waking up earlier I was feeling better and I just realized I wanted to prioritize feeling that way because it felt really good and I became happier in so many different ways and so I tell people when I stopped drinking I elevated my life and for anyone maybe questioning the relationship with alcohol I I think it's important to acknowledge a gray area of drinking because so many people think, well, I'm not an alcoholic and you don't have to be, and you don't have to put labels on yourself. Society wants you to put labels on yourself, but if you can be honest with yourself and, and think maybe, do I have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol? Am I using alcohol as a crutch? Because what I realized in so many different situations, I was using alcohol as a crutch to feel happier, to feel more relaxed, to de-stress, all of those things. And it forced me to figure out how to, to handle those situations. And um, 
So for anyone who's maybe curious about being, uh, you know, sober curious, I guess, is challenge yourself. Start with 30 days or whatever seems challenge, challenging but manageable. Maybe a week is challenging for you, but I encourage you to do 30 days and just see how you start to feel. And what you can do, as I will never forget, I came across an Instagram post because I started following all these, you know, sobriety accounts and stuff like that, just for motivation, encouragement, started reading books and things like that and realized there's a lot of people in the world that are embracing this as a lifestyle. And it said, it was a blank post and the, the title of it said, a list of things that alcohol gave me. And the post was blank. And it made me realize, wow, alcohol takes a lot from us, but it doesn't really give us much. It gives us a false sense of a lot of things. And I think a lot of people might uh, feel like they're more confident when they're drinking, but really it's who they want to be when they're being more confident. It's just, they don't have the courage without it, that liquid courage. And so it forces you to do a lot of self-reflection and that post it just really resonated with me because it was blank a list of things that alcohol gave me I'm like wow it didn't really give me much it, it made me think that it did but it took more away than it ever gave and so for anyone interested especially because you have a, a, a large women following a book that I really enjoyed reading which is very researched uh, is quit like a woman and it's very relatable. It's kind of like this memoir of the author. And um, it makes a lot of sense, especially the marketing and how women are targeted, how you're going to live this fabulous life and how it's so glamorous with alcohol. That was a great book. And then another one that I enjoyed reading was Alcohol Lied to Me. It made a lot of sense of why we drink and continue to drink. I love that. Um, and I think, like you said, it's, it's a crutch because if you think when you're using it, there's always some reason because you want to feel or be a certain way. So you're chasing this feeling, um, but really what it does is it numbs you. And so one thing that's been kind of uh, something I've had to work through over the last year is, you know, not just like substances, but what things that I need to remove or stop doing so that I can actually feel through things, whether that's anger or grief or, you know, joy, it's these things are blocking me and numbing it. And so what happens when you use a substance to numb those things, you actually don't really, especially you say it's something, you know, difficult, you're a breakup, like you said, or something like that, then what's happening is you're numbing that. So yeah, you're not feeling maybe as, as bad, you don't have as much pain or grief, uh, but you're dependent upon it because if you start creeping back in those feelings, then you need it to push them back down again. And essentially you're just pushing everything back down. And so you're not fully experiencing it. And when you're not experiencing it, you're not working through it. So then you realize when you take that away, all of those things still exist. They're still there. You haven't worked through them and you may even be repeating a cycle because you weren't aware, like you said. So I think that's so powerful and appreciate um, the resources and the information. And I really love your story uh, because I think it's very relatable and also the distinction, like you don't have to put a label on it. Um, you, you can look and see, you know, maybe where you're drinking and ask yourself why, or, you know, sometimes people are just so used to it. It's a habit. It's just, got to have my drink to unwind at the end of the day. Um, and you may not even be aware. So having that awareness is key. Um, what I want to talk about next is um, 
it sounds like you have a lot of tools in your toolbox and a lot of uh, tips and tricks and things that you've implemented personally. And um, obviously you shared with people when you've spoken, uh, but could you share with us maybe some of your, you know, favorite tips, tricks, tools, things that you use uh, to support this lifestyle, to support your higher frequency mindset? So one way that people can embrace whatever change it is they're seeking and, and help them on their journey is when they're when they have a decision to make they can say and you could ask yourself this question in a variety of different ways but you could say what would the most confident version of myself do or what would the best version of myself do in this situation i like saying that whenever i have to make a decision on something because while I have not been drinking for over three years now, the thought doesn't not cross my mind. And I think, well, maybe I could just have one one day because I missed the taste of it. However, I found incredible alternatives for uh, Cabernet and IPA beer. There's all these non-alcoholic versions now. And so it's the taste that I was missing. At first it was the feeling because I liked how it made me feel. And then once I, started becoming comfortable with feeling and I love how you made the point of you know working through whatever it is that's bothering us because we have to feel in order to heal you right. have to feel it in order to heal so once I got over wanting that feeling that alcohol gave me then I, I realized it was the taste because I genuinely enjoyed some of those things and I found great non-alcoholic alternatives um, and so asking yourself questions, what would the most confident version of myself do, all of those things. Um, another thing that I, I love to do is to do yoga. It really helped transform my life. And there's so many different types of yoga. So if you've tried yoga and didn't like it, maybe try a different studio, a different instructor. Um, love, love yoga, practicing mindfulness, doing some meditations. I love guided meditations. There's a Headspace uh, program on Netflix right now where it introduces you to the concept of mindfulness and guides you through uh, a short meditation on each episode. Um, really just doing things that make me happy, really prioritizing myself, making myself a priority, not an option. And that means doing things that make me happy and, and changing different things and, and letting go of what's not serving me or contributing to my happiness. And so speaking was one of those things. I realized I loved it. It was something I became very passionate about. So I started prior prioritizing that. And then ultimately that turned into what I'm doing now. Um, and I feel like sometimes when I ask people what makes them happy, they struggle to even respond with something that really lights them up or they struggle to make a long list. And, and that's sad. <laughs> so for anyone listening that wants to make some changes, really prioritize your happiness, make your happiness a priority, not an option. And it's a journey. You know, sometimes things that made you happy in the past are not going to make you happy now. And so discover that and challenge yourself to get out outside of your comfort zone. Give yourself permission to be a beginner and try new things. Um, but really prioritizing your happiness, making sure that you're practicing self-care and that's really anything that makes you happy that isn't harmful. And this, 
this process of evolving, it's a journey. There's no destination point. We can always become a better version of ourselves, a happier version of ourselves. And like you mentioned earlier, I feel like where we feel disappointed and come short is because we are waiting for something to happen in the future. And happiness is a choice. So rather than thinking, I will feel happier when this happens, or I'll feel more successful when this happens, choose to feel happy now with what you have in the moment and then you can work on adding those things gradually um, to become happier. But it's really a choice that you make in the moment that can evolve. I love that. I don't remember where I read or saw something recently. And I think it might have even been another podcast. And the guy said, you know, he was talking about choosing your feelings. And he said, you know, go somewhere like once you've learned maybe what makes you happy something that you can think about that brings you joy. And if you're feeling yourself like an easy exercise, if you're feeling yourself kind of slipping into that or struggling with that, then move yourself back to thinking about that thing that brings you joy. Because if you're focusing on that, you can only focus on one feeling at a time. And so I thought that was super powerful. Um, And I love that you just keep saying, you know, to choose, choose yourself, choose happiness, choose the best you, because I think we are, almost conditioned by society, we have the pressure even just on ourselves, that this is who we are, like we can't change it. We would like to do this, or we would like to be this, or we'd like to be more, you know, brave, or go do a certain thing, or be the person that talks to everybody. We want to do all those things, but you can wake up tomorrow and choose to be that person. You don't have to conform to who you've been. You don't have to conform to what other people want you to be. Um, And that's really empowering. That's been very powerful for me on my journey. And like you said, it's all, it's all a journey. It's a journey of becoming it's, you know, there's no destination, but that's the, the great part about it. We're always waiting for the ending, looking for the ending, looking for the finish line, but the finish line, when the finish line hits, you know, it's over. And so it's all the beautiful moments in between that really, you know, make your life special. And so I love that you focus on that and, and focus to choose that. And I think the next thing I want to ask you is probably um, there's, I'm sure there's overlap. You've given so much good stuff, so much goodness. I could talk to you all day, but um, if you had one just overarching piece of advice to give your younger self, uh, what would that advice be? The, the piece of advice that I would give myself would be to love myself where I was at in the moment because a lot of my journey relates to self-love because I was very critical of myself and we all have an inner critic. So I like to remind people, you can choose your inner cheerleader over your inner critic. Uh, and if you can choose negative thoughts, you can also choose positive thoughts. But when I was younger, before I knew about self-love, which wasn't until my 30s, which is really sad. I know it's a buzzword now, but self-love to me is a lifestyle. It's everything that we choose to do and not do. It's more than our, our physical body and it's more than our mindset. It's really everything, you know, being a courageous, bold and brave person. That's a form of self-love. And, you know, just kind of going back to your question, that would be what I would tell myself, love yourself. You are unique, you are worthy. You do not need to compare yourself to anyone else because 
um, you know, your, your strengths are unique and um, just reaching a place, I wish I could have done it when I was younger to accept myself in the moment without conditions. Because I feel like we attach these conditions to ourself of when we will feel beautiful or worthy or successful or happy, but choosing that in the moment because you can't hate yourself into loving yourself. You have to choose to love yourself in the moment without conditions. And that doesn't mean you can't want more to be better. And, and that's where I emphasize the importance of loving yourself while you work on yourself. You can be a masterpiece and a work in progress at the same time. And that's where a lot of this work that we all have to do on ourselves includes giving ourselves grace and compassion, blessing and releasing the past because we can't change it. And a lot of us get upset or um, have anxiety around the past or the future but it's because we're not living in the moment. We have to bless and release the past because everything that happened led us to where we currently are. And everything really is a blessing or a lesson. And that can be really challenging to accept, but we have a lot of lessons in our life. And, you know, if it wasn't for the struggles that I had when I was younger on being able to accept myself in the moment, I wouldn't really be in a place where I'm able to help so many other people do that. So I'm, I'm grateful for that experience because of what it allows me to do now. So that would be my best piece of advice for my younger self and for anyone listening is to love yourself in the moment without conditions. And you can choose to love yourself while you work on yourself. Give yourself grace, give yourself compassion. We are all imperfect. We all have a past. Bless and release everything from the past and realize that um, while we cannot control what happens to us, we can control what we choose to do about it. And for anyone who might be in a space where they're unhappy, realize that your unhappiness in, in whatever form, your unhappiness is happening for you, not to you. That unhappiness is allowing you to make a decision so that you can change something. And I think it's so important that we desire change in our life if we want to be happy. We oftentimes have to embrace change. And that's what 2020 taught us. We had to embrace it and adapt. But when you desire change, that's where you can start to become happier because then you start to seek clarity around what you need to change and why asking yourself why over and over why do you want this why do you need to change something and then being courageous in your life so that's a, a long response to your question but simply no. put to love yourself would be my that best is, piece of advice that is super powerful and you know sometimes it's the simplest things, the things that maybe we intellectually know like that, um, that are the hardest to accept, the hardest to believe, the hardest to achieve, uh, but it's super powerful. And it really, you know, I found all the things you said to be true in my life, but it is that, you know, faith and that perspective, perspective is everything. And so I really appreciate 
everything that you've shared. I really appreciate um, that you've taken the time to come share with our listeners today. I'm going to let you, uh, we'll have this in the show notes also, but I'll let you tell everyone where they can find you if they want to get in touch with you. So the best way to get in touch with me is to email me. That is the self-love challenge at gmail.com. I'm currently updating my website and everything like that. So I'll give that to you and you can put it in the show notes. It might be a different one, but for right now, you can go to selflovechallenge.com. And I would just encourage everyone, just my final thought is to know it is never too late to start or to start over in any aspect of your life, personally or professionally. Right now is a new opportunity. And what happened yesterday doesn't have to happen today. Who you were yesterday does not mean that that has to be who you are today. And and really just give yourself permission to follow your fear, allow your fear to fuel you because we run away from it and it keeps us in our comfort zone. But when you allow fear to fuel you, it really can show you your potential, where you can discover it, where you can really start living the life that you were born to live, rather than going through your days, um, going through the motions, um, dreaming about things, but not doing those things and taking courageous action is really start to ask yourself, what were you born for? What is your soul calling you to do? Listen to your intuition and, and really be brave in your life and and make some type of change that is going to make a profound impact on your life that can have a ripple effect on the lives of others. Because when you step into your purpose and when you really show up as the courageous version of yourself that you are capable of being, magical things start to happen. I love that. Thanks so much, Brandy. I think everyone's going to get so much out of this episode. Um, Thank you guys for tuning in and have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Shift Her Podcast. We are here to share stories that inspire so that you can create the life you love now. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review, share on social media, and tell us why it resonated with you. You can follow us on Facebook at Shift Her, Instagram at shifther.co, and read more about us at www.shifther.co. While you're there, sign up for our High Vibe monthly newsletter, where we share even more inspiration and stories from our Mastermind program. Links from today's episode are in the show notes.